This is new classical tracks from listener-supported American public media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for this show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. Violist Nicholas Kords, a Brooklyn writer, told me that the string quartet is always excited about their latest iron in the fire, and they've got a lot of them. In fact, their latest spark of inspiration finds the group exploring a couple of firsts. This is their first ever digital-only release, and it's also their first ever live recording. And it was made under some pretty challenging circumstances, as you're about to find out. The recording is called The Wanderer, and we hear about it this week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. I'm talking with violist Nicholas Kords, a Brooklyn writer, about a brand new recording that they have out. And before we dive into that, Nick, remind me, how long has Brooklyn Rider been together? Well, it depends on where you define the official start date, but I, I think it's probably around 18 years. We're coming up on that 20th anniversary mark somehow, and it's, uh, it's hard to imagine it's been that long. You're doing a couple of firsts on this recording, and one is this is your first digital-only release, and it's also your first ever live album, which seems kind of like, wow, after all these years, this is the first live recording you've done. How did that come about? Well, I think I think often these things come about through happenstance and opportunity at hand. You know, one, one of those opportunities at hand was that we knew that we were going to be on tour in Europe last spring. And of all places, we were going to be in the Baltics, in Lithuania. And we had heard through a friend uh, that there's this amazing place to record there called Palacios. It's about 10 kilometers from the Belarusian border. And of course, this was a very interesting time to be there as the conflict in Ukraine was uh, not so old at that point. And of course, everybody was very much on edge. But here we were in this amazing retreat in rural Lithuania, eastern Lithuania, and this really amazing room. It used to be a horse stable. It was enclosed in glass. And by accident, it turns out that this place is a really amazing place to record. So that's how that happened. I mean, we always want to create a live experience. We love, we feel our home is in front of an audience but we've just never done it before. We've done studio recordings where we've invited audience members to the studio to kind of create that quote-unquote live feel, but this is really the first album that we've done in front of a live audience from beginning to end. So how did that feel? It feels great. I I think, you know, there is a kind of communication triangle that happens in live performance in which you know the work, you're playing it, you, you play it for an audience, But the audience's experience of this, if you are open to it as a performer, in turn, it feeds your idea of the piece and you get this kind of virtuous cycle that happens that doesn't always happen when you're practicing or in a recording studio. And so in a way, live performance at its best 
Of course, yes, it's more communicative, but in a way it has a chance to yield even greater depth and knowledge about what that piece of music is about, you know, and it's, it actually is very powerful, you know, to, to, to do that uh, in a way. Classical music recording is often these days not done live, but it's a grand old tradition in lots of forms of music making, and it just felt like it was long overdue. There are very specific themes running through this recording. Can you talk about those themes a little bit, please? Sure. I mean, the album is called The Wanderer, and I think we chose this title, A, because it's a very famous song of Schubert, and on this recording is the Schubert Death and the Maiden string quartet, one of three selections on the album. But it struck us that we were at a time in our lives you know, we coming out of COVID, we were touring again for the first time, feeling a new life, but also having gone through a really difficult time, as we all did. At that time, there was this conflict that was emerging in Ukraine, as I've mentioned before, and other such things that are happening. You know, people, I think we've all experienced in some way the way that life has changed over the last few years. And so this album really has to do with bringing together certain dualities in life, you know, memory, remembrance, uh, melancholy and bliss, old and new, and life and death itself, as represented by Schubert, Death and the Maiden Quartet. It just feels like it's, it's an album about life's journey. The recording opens with a work by the Venezuelan composer Gonzalo Grau. It's a piece that he wrote during COVID. He happened to be in Spain at the time, and he wrote it specifically for Brooklyn Rider. He talks a little bit about how the actual aroma in the title is his remembrance of the past and what it does to make him who he is today. Can you talk a little bit about how those aromas are reflected in the music. Gonzalo is, is a composer with, he's of Venezuelan origin, but like many people in the music world, and not, of course, not just the music world, has, has called many places home over the course of his life, including the United States, including uh, Spain. You know, it's it's a collection of all those musical influences, you know, that has informed his language. And I think in this, you hear those different influences from Venezuelan music to Afro-Cuban music to flamenco. And I think it's just reflective of a sort of transnational experience. It, it adds a layer of complexity to who he is and what's represented in the music. And we can never often dis define ourselves as one thing solely. We're often a kind of compilation or collection of different influences. And this is one of the wonderful things about music is it can become this collecting place of these influences very easily. In fact, you know, you, you put certain influences in and they become different things along the way. And of course, this is how tradition in music works anyway, right? I mean, we have so many different world traditions, but 
could you say that any of those traditions in and of themselves are completely pure to that region? I think the more you dig into any kind of music, you discover, well, it's actually a web of influences that has actually created that music. And, And of course, all these traditions that we have musically are, after all, living traditions, and they continue to change and morph because of outside influence. And I think that is very much on display in this piece called Aroma a Distancia. Brooklyn Rider commissioned this piece, is that right? Yes. Yeah. It's um, it, it was a kind of a like-kind relationship with, with Gonzo. Uh, we call him Gonzo for short, uh, because we, we've worked with him on so many things. He was represented on our Brooklyn Rider Almanac album, which was made uh, a number of years ago. He wrote a work called Five-Legged Cat. But he's also arranged a lot of music for us over the years, including a number of tunes on our album with Magos Herrera called Dreamers, which is an album all about Ibero-America and the tradition of the last hundred years of music being created under dictatorships. We've even guested on his uh, recent album in his salsa band as well. So the, the, the musical universes have connected in a lot of different ways with Consolo. I find it interesting when an ensemble, a group, or an artist chooses to work with a composer, many times, as you have, as you just said, with Gonzalo Grau. How does he capture the essence of your group? What does he do that makes you want to continue to work with him? Hmm. I think one thing that he does, I mean, his music is very dynamic. The physicality of playing his music is something that, that actually really is immediately present. You know, we use our instruments as of course, bowed string instruments, uh, but we also use them as percussion instruments and and you know, many things in between. And I would say something that we're always looking for with the composer is is how how can they expand our range of or our idea of what a string quartet can be. And and I would say in some ways, successful partnerships with a composer would involve a composer pushing you outside of a comfort zone. Of course, you want to sort of have a balance, you know, of sort of working from within the sound of what you can do and what you can really own, but then also having things that that explicitly challenge you to step outside, learn something new, extend yourself in a certain way. And we're always looking for that because after all, uh, I think we think of the string quartet as kind of a laboratory and learning experience, uh, you know, of, of which there is no end. We've done so much over our near 20-year uh, history, and I think it just wouldn't be as interesting to us if we only stayed in the world of what we knew. There is a five-movement work by Osvaldo Galeoff called Amdia Balm, which means a good day. This was another commission by Brooklyn Rider in 2021. It's a kind of interesting because it's the first quartet that Galeoff has composed in about a decade, so... What inspired him to do that? Simply the commission, or what made him want to come back to the string quartet form? 
Well, we've asked him for a while to to write a string quartet for us. And I, I would say that maybe part of the motivation for writing this might come from our friendship. We've known Osvaldo for many years and we, we've participated, some of us, in the context of Silk Road, the Silk Road Ensemble, of which Osvaldo has contributed a lot of uh, work over the years. But as we were starting as a quartet, I think Osvaldo has always been a sort of friend and I would say kind of spirit musician of the quartet in a way. He's such a omnivorous musical soul. You know, he's finding influence in all the corners of music. It's quite inspiring, you know, and it sort of also feels apropos of what we, how we see uh, the limitless possibility of the string quartet, you know, and so it made sense for these worlds to come together in this work. And we're very grateful that Osvaldo did it. We, we workshopped the piece over a few different times and it's been a process. And, um, but what has emerged is this five movement work, which is basically dis- depicting the story of, of a life from morning to day to midnight and beyond. It's sort of a metaphor as told in the day, but a metaphor for life's journey. Of course, that also very much tying to the theme of this album. It's a story, however, that's being told to a child. So how is that story a little bit different? How does it unfold in that context of a story being told to a child rather than an adult? Well, I I would say I, we could also flip that as seen through the eyes of a child. You know, in, in seeing that lens, it's sort of an interchangeable lens in some ways. Um, and there's a simplicity sometimes to the music. Kind of trying at times to, to reach something at its most essential level without a facade around it. I think there's a sense of play. For instance, the fifth movement of this, which is called Pleme or Feather. It's one of my favorite tracks on the album. And this has to do with Osvaldo's many influences. One of them was Chick Corea and literally his songs for children that had been inspiring Osvaldo and kind of in his musical orbit as he was writing this piece, um, that movement in particular. And what emerges is something that is very sparse. It's beautiful. It's very, it's very elemental in a way. And, and I think it just is describing a graceless, endless fall of a feather from the sky. It's a very simple image and the music represents it simply, but it actually offers an incredible moment of transcendence. And it helps us to remember the magic in all those small little things that sometimes we miss once we have a child around to, you know, remind us how remarkable that is, <laughs> that a feather can fall from the sky. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. 
I also especially love the second movement, While the Rain. And it's a takeoff a little bit from Vivaldi's second movement of Winter in the Four Seasons. When I listened to it the first time, I thought, oh my gosh, this really sparkles. And it does. It has this wonderful pizzicato, and it just creates wonderful imagery. Would you talk more about that movement, please? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the quote in the the poem for the four seasons for this particular winter movement uh, goes something like to spend content and quiet days near the fire while outside the rain soaks hundreds. Right. And it just evokes this incredibly cozy feeling. There's a sort of, uh, you'll hear throughout the movement, there's often a uh, one instrument that's playing a very fast pattern in octaves in a technique that we call sol ponticello, or it sort of gets a slightly metallic thing. And this represents the rain. You have in the pizzicato this take on Vivaldi, you know, where that's sort of coming through. Albeit in a different tempo and meter completely. And then you have a sort of added on melody on top that is sweeping across all of these all of these elements. And I think Osvaldo sort of evokes the feeling of a dancing couple, as he puts it, gliding on the marble floors of an Italian palazzo. And, you know, all this imagery, when you hear this music, absolutely makes sense and comes together in quite quite a magical way. Yeah, he, he does a remarkable job. It's a beautiful, beautiful work. Which leads us into a masterwork of the string quartet repertoire. That's what closes out this recording or this performance, Death and the Maiden. Is this the first time Brooklyn Ryder has recorded this work by Schubert? Absolutely, yeah. It is our first time. You know, it's a work that we've visited a couple of times over our history but, but it actually just made sense in this moment. We knew we kind of wanted, like this felt like a natural connection, especially with, with Osvaldo's music. Part of when we were workshopping this quartet was at the time we were also learning this Schubert quartet. So we would play some sketches of Osvaldo's quartet, but actually his favorite thing to do was just to sit in the room and be a fly on the wall as we, um, as we rehearsed this Schubert quartet, and Schubert is one of his favorite composers. Somehow, the spirit of Schubert and this quartet in particular is also an animating force uh, throughout Oswaldo's work. So there, there's a connection there, and that kind of made sense for those two works to come together. But of course, this is also like an incredible masterpiece of the string quartet world, which is one of these pieces which is equally satisfying to play and to listen to you know at the same time and it's 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 experiential on on both sides i mean sometimes 
you know, you have a piece of music that doesn't quite, those scales aren't quite equal, you know, in some ways. Like we've been playing recently the Duty, uh, Henri Duty uh, string quartet called Ansi la Nuit, or Thus the Night. It's a masterpiece of the second half of the 20th century, especially when you can get into it and play it over and over and over again. As a player, the audience doesn't always get this benefit, though. And so it can be, the first time you hear it, a little complicated. You need no prior knowledge of Schubert or this work of music to immediately get into the story and the epic sweep of this music. Is there a section in this quartet that especially resonates with you as a performer that you really look forward to playing a specific section, maybe? Mm. Um, is Does all of it qualify as a section? <laughs> the theme and variations movement of this quartet is the thing that gives this quartet its name. Schubert takes a song that he wrote a few years before this quartet was written around 1824, and he uses his song, The Death and the Maiden, to to create a sense of... um, Life was getting really serious for Schubert around this time, right? He had just learned that he was diagnosed with syphilis, and and of course this was a death sentence in, in his day. And, and so in this song, he's reflecting not only broadly and for humanity, but also in his own circumstance. And the words of this song, death is saying to the maiden, give me your hand, your beautiful and tender form. I am a friend and come not to punish. Be of good cheer. I'm not fierce. Softly shall you sleep in my arms. This music reflects this storytelling, you know, on a on a grand scale. And then everything else in the quartet that surrounds it is sort of setting up a scene. Of, you know, sort of a turbulent present, uh, mortal struggle, peaked emotions, lots of drama, all reflective of Schubert and his life situation. But in this movement, we kind of feel an oasis. You know, as sort of, you know, this sort of death kind of giving a sort of gentle hand to the maiden. But of course, the music is so, because it's a theme in variations, it can also go to many, many different places. So in and of itself, that movement could stand alone as a complete masterpiece. But that is one of my favorite things of all time to play uh, as a violist in a string quartet. 
Is there perhaps a behind-the-scenes story in that live performance that you could share with us that we wouldn't know without having talked to you? could be about you. It could be about something leading up to the performance. It could be something that happened during the performance. I, I mean, I as I mentioned before, like, there was lots of backstory in the way that, you know, all of Lithuania was incredibly on edge, you know, in this time. You know, there were preparations going on. There were trucks that were going on the road behind Palacios, this place of the recording that we did, as I mentioned, is 10 kilometers away from the Belarusian border. So these truck, you know, th there was activity on the border. They were fortifying the border just steps away from where we were making this, this recording, you know. And so one had a sense of this everywhere you went in Lithuania at, at the time. And of course, they have every reason to be, to have been and continue to be on edge, you know, in a way. And and so that's a kind of backstory that, that all this happened. But, but actually, the lovely thing is, because we were playing for a very local audience, I think the feeling of live performance got even more heightened. Like, why? what do we do when we play music live? Well, one of the things that we do that anyone does in this magical medium of live performance is you provide a sense of oasis for people uh, to sort of... Uh, escape isn't a word that I, I like to use, but actually just sort of enter into a different reflection on the on the on what is happening at present right it, it provides an opportunity to go somewhere else to reflect to come together uh and that just it felt like okay this is our first live recording and it's also at the same time reminding us why live performance is so important in the first place you know and 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 we did all this in this amazing, you know, it's also a retreat, a wellness retreat uh, at Palacios. And, and it was just, it was a magical time to be there. So we, you know, we rehearsed, we, re we recorded these live shows, we ate, we drank, we had a good time. Um, it's something we'll never forget. The Wanderer, a new live recording from Brooklyn Rider. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer for new classical tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. <laughs>